0: 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, after three on a Friday, it is a happy hour Friday. The PT joins us tonight at five o'clock for happy hour Friday. Always enjoy a little happy hour Friday with the PT. It's super wild card weekend. Six games in all, three each day, all six right here on 97.3 ESPN. We're going to take a look at these games right now with Sal Palantonio ESPN. Of course, a Sal Pal Friday right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. The Boardwalk Honda Hotline, Sal Pal. Ah, boy, the playoffs are here. No Eagles involved in these playoffs, as we know. But we got some juicy matchups, and we get three games
1: each day. How are you? weekend uh double triple header you can't get any better than that and you know uh i was given a number the other day that in the state of new jersey alone in the months of december m- november and december m- november and december in new jersey alone over 900 million dollars was bet on professional football
0: it has been a quite a boom. I can't imagine, but Sal, that's an interesting point about with the pandemic and the casinos, you know how at least these casinos have the ability to have people playing on their apps and stuff. I mean, I can't imagine what would be going on without sports betting in this state right now.
1: Oh, it's a tremendous boom. There's no question about it i I am in uh, the nation's capital for Buccaneers and Washington football team. You know this is Tom Brady's Forty-second postseason game, but his first wild card game on the road.
0: Wow, how about that? That's a very a wild card game on the road for Tom Brady. How about that? Let then let's start with that. You'll be there, uh, Washington, obviously. They've got a team this is an interesting storyline. You got uh the young kid, young, uh kind of you know, putting some bulletin board material up there. You got the old guard, Brady. We know Washington's got this great defense, they can't move the ball, but if you're Tampa, are you kinda of looking at this like, ah oh, man, we got stuck playing this team or is this a game that they that they that they like?
1: Well, you know, I know Todd Bowles very well and he's a defensive coordinator of the Bucs. And I think that he thinks that he can dictate defensively whatever he wants in this game because Alex Smith is immobile and they may have to change quarterbacks to Taylor Heineke. That's why this line has been bet up. It was minus seven and a half bucks. Now it's minus eight and a half. Washington is one of two home dogs. And um, in, in this particular matchup, I think points will be difficult to come by. Now I, I know the Bucks have scored a lot of points recently. I think it's like forty-seven and forty-four in their last two games. They've also scored over forty a couple of more times. But I remember that Monday night game at MetLife at night, of course, because it was Monday night game. And I remember they almost lost to the Giants. And I remember asking Bruce Arians what was the problem in the first half, and he said, "Sal." We just couldn't find our energy. Stands were empty at night. uh, It was was kind of a raw night, as I remember. And tomorrow's going to be cold. I think these teams that go on the road in these bowls at night have a hard time. It's like playing in a canyon. They have a hard time. And you and I have discussed this in the past, Mike it's hard to find energy and I think it'll be difficult for Brady to really run up the score in this game. I like Washington plus the points.
0: Yeah, I like, I, I'm down your way of thinking. I think it's one of those ugly, uh, low scoring Washington's defense keeps them around. Brady just kind of makes a play here. Washington just doesn't have enough offense. Uh, that's the late game. You can hear it here on 97, three ESPN, the middle game. Is a divisional matchup in the West? Rams, Seattle. I mean, both these teams have kind of changed who they were earlier in the year. Seattle was terrible defensively. Now their defense is good. They were great offensively. Now their the offense is kind of taking a you know a, a downward spin. L. A. Uh, they've got some COVID issues, an injury with Goff. I mean, this is going to be a really interesting game to try to um, you know figure out with the line in this one.
1: I like the Seahawks a lot. Uh, I really do. It's only three and a half that they're giving to the Rams in this game. I, I like them a lot in this game. Uh, I don't think the Rams can score. Uh, they, the Rams have held the Seahawks in the two matchups this year to 18 points per game, I think a total of 36 points. But the Seahawks did win one of those two games, despite the fact in the two games Russell Wilson has been sacked by this Rams front for a, a ridiculous 11 times. Uh, but I do like the Seahawks because I don't think the Rams would be able to score in this game. So uh, I'm I'm taking the Seahawks and giving three and a half.
0: Yeah, we'll see uh, what kind of golf you get in that game. All right, the early game coverage begins at 1230 on 97.3 ESPN. This one should be interesting. Buffalo, Indianapolis, Indy got good defense. Buffalo not so good. Buffalo can score. Indy struggles on offense. You got six and a half here. Buffalo's kind of fun. Indy's kind of a grinded out. This is a contrast.
1: It is, and, you know, this is not an easy game to pick. Everybody thinks, seems to think because Buffalo's at home and Josh Allen and that offense has been absolutely on fire, uh, I think Allen will feel a little pressure in this game. I think he'll feel a little pressure not only from the Colts' defense but because there's going to be fans in the stands for the first time, the Bills' mafia, uh, although it's going to be a small group. I think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to Josh Allen. Everybody's talking about him being an MVP. I don't like the Bills in this spot to cover. Uh, I think they're giving six right now. I don't like them at all to cover in this game. Uh, And uh, I think it's going to be a very difficult game for the Bills to close out.
0: All right, that's your Saturday card. Three there, Indy Buffalo, L.A., Seattle, Tampa, Washington. That's where Sal Powell will be covering it for ESPN. He's with us right now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Then you flip over to Sunday. We've got all three games. This is a rematch from last year. Now, when you think of Baltimore-Tennessee, Sal, you usually think defense, but Tennessee's defense, not very good. Baltimore's not the same defensive team as they've been. I don't know. You see a lot of points in this game?
1: You know, I just don't. Um, the only thing is that the Titans have been able to beat the Ravens in the fourth quarter in the last two matchups. Fourth quarter and overtime, they come up with some last minute points, and uh, that that scares me. Uh, if I'm if I'm picking the Ravens, which I'm not, uh, I, I just think that the Ravens have had so much difficulty stopping Derrick Henry. And the way the Titans run the ball is not good for the Ravens. They, they, and we have a piece in the matchup show tomorrow morning uh, done by um, Greg Cosell that is absolutely terrific, in which Greg talks about the fact that the Titans use pretty much the same personnel. A couple of tight ends may go heavy on the offensive line put a fullback on the field. You know, just like the Eagles do all the time, Mike. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who was uh, the they, last they, Eagles fullback?
0: There's a question for uh, you. John Ritchie? Maybe, I guess. Been a while. Uh, put it that way. Uh, Kevin Turner.
1: Th- 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 he comes after? No, I think, I,
0: I think Richie's after Turner, but I, I almost forgot that Richie because it's been so long that they had a fullback.
1: I mean, so that's the way the Titans run the ball. They're old school And it doesn't. The Ravens' defense does not match up. And what you see, have seen in the last two games last year when the Ravens were fourteen and two and blew that game, and uh, Lamar Jackson had to throw the ball sixty times, is that by the fourth quarter that defense is on the field so much that they just get worn out, and Henry piles it on in, in the in the fourth quarter or overtime. And that happened uh, during the regular season this year as well. It was a fourth quarter runaway by Derrick Henry that really sealed the victory for the Titans. So I, I actually like the Titans to win this game, and uh, I'm not saying I'm, you know it could it could be a situation where they don't cover, but I like them to win.
0: Yeah, it's three right now, fifty four and a half. A lot of points on the over under there. Um, wow. uh, Chicago is a ten point dog on the road. Now I can see what happens in this. They're down, and Nagy says, I got to go to Foles. Foles brings it back, wins it, and the Bears win the Super Bowl, right? (laughs) Isn't isn't that the only way that could happen?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't see that happening this time (laughs) around. Uh, I think that uh, Cinderella tale is in the barn, and it's staying in the barn. But, Michael, I could definitely see the Bears covering at the end of this game. And uh, I take the Bears plus the points. Ten points is a lot of points. It's just a lot. And these
0: two teams and, played earlier, and it was—I uh, think it was a two-point game.
1: Yeah. So I—I I, I like. I'm leaning. I'm leaning on the over, uh, for sure. And uh, I'm taking the points in this game.
0: By the way, my producer said, I can't believe I didn't know this. The last fullback was Owen Schmidt, a WVU alum, just like me. Remember him?
1: Jesus, I did not.
0: <laughs> I don't think he played all that much, but it was 2010. Wait a minute,
1: did he actually? Did he actually? Was he actually on the 53 man?
0: He started five games in the 2000. 2000- yep There you go,
1: that's, Owen. That's a bad. That's a bad job by me. That is a bad job by me.
0: Wow. I, he touched the ball. He had three catches. That was his uh, stat line. Wait a minute!
1: Obviously. So he went to your alma mater, and you worked to it
0: Totally forgot that he even played for the Eagles. To be honest with you.
1: My, okay, well then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for forgiveness if you <laughs>
0: couldn't remember. We can't win them all, right? We can't remember everybody.
1: No, my gosh! But I should have <laughs> remembered that. Yikes! All
0: right, um, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. This one's you know you got the COVID stuff. There's no coach. Um, Pittsburgh has been such a wonky team though. I don't know. By Sunday night at eight o'clock, this one's going to be really tough to figure out.
1: Well, um, it is, but without Kevin Stefanski in the ear of Baker Mayfield, I think that that's going to be a problem. I mean, Stefanski to me has been the MVP of the team. Right. Uh, you know, you know, it basically could be the coach of the year, Yeah, pretty much the same personnel that you had last year. But Stefanski uh, has done, without a doubt, I mean, it's Rivera and Stefanski, you know, one and one A, that have done the best coaching jobs in the NFL. And Stefanski did win Coach of the Year, right?
0: <clears throat> I don't. Did they hand
1: that out yet? I think, it, oh, you know, it was on Pro Football Talk. Yeah. You know, Mike Florio on PFT has his own awards. Right. And okay. He awarded Stefanski as the uh as the coach of the you know
0: that mike florio is another wvu guy
1: yeah big time
0: he uh um you know he used to do he used to do the sal pal friday we had florio friday but i replay i upgraded i went to F- sal pal friday
1: oh ho, ho, wait till i tell <laughs> so, uh yeah th- you know it's crazy because it, in my house you know sometimes i'll grab my wife's laptop uh you know early in the morning at the kitchen table and she'll be like checking pft is that what you're doing i'm yeah. like yeah yeah i just gotta i gotta make a quick check of pft
0: us wvu guys we stick together except for owen schmidt apparently we forget about him
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i i like i like the Steelers in this game mike i i realize six is a big number uh but i'm gonna give six and take the Steelers in this game and go under in this game i think uh I think that Steelers' defense will be too much for Baker Mayfield without his coaching his ear.
0: Yeah, that game started out at three, and it went up to six because of all the craziness that's gone on out there. So there you go. Super wild card weekend, Sal Palantonio. Before we let you roll, I know we don't want to get a lot into the Eagle thing here, but I just want to get your thought on the coordinators being gone. Is there any tea leaves of hey, you got your way, now I get my way. Is there anything there, or is it just just those guys didn't work out, they were on one-year deals, and that's it?
1: Yeah, I think if you look at who remains, Roseman, Peterson, Press, Taylor, they're all represented by the same agent, Bob Lamont. And, um, you know, there's a lot to that. Uh, and I think, although Marty Morningwig was his client, is Lamont's client as well, I think that they are very high on Press Taylor, hmm. and now uh, well, Press Taylor came here Taylor.
0: with Chip Kelly, correct?
1: Um, she's I, off the top of my head, I don't know, but they are high on Press Taylor. I know that that Roseman Peterson and Lamont, and Lamont's got a lot of GMs and a lot of head coaches. He's the most yeah. powerful agent in the league uh, in terms of GMs and coaches. Highly respected really knows what he's doing. And, um, you know, Taylor, they view Taylor as a – I haven't heard that he's gotten any interviews at all as a head coaching candidate, and he won't until he gets an opportunity to do what?
0: Be a coordinator.
1: Call call the plays and be a coordinator, correct. And I would be shocked, beyond shocked, if Press Taylor is not the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles next year. Um, at, at least in name only, in the way that Eric Enemy was and Doug Peterson was uh, in Kansas City, where you learn under, they learned under Reed for a year and then they started calling the plays on their own, like Peterson did and Enemy did. And uh, I, I think the Jets should hire Enemy. I don't know what they're waiting for. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the rules are, Mike, but. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Eric I would
0: imagine Airbnb. this is the year he gets a job and then of course they need a oh, defensive God, yes. they need an O. C. They need a defensive coordinator. It should be a crazy off season. Uh yep. Sal Powell will be with us throughout this off season getting us ready for the draft. I made a couple phone calls to make that happen.
1: <laughs> and Michael, just think about it. There's a lot of people talking and at that sixth pick, the Eagles will do a lot of homework on quarterbacks.
0: There you go. There's a little tease of what could be happening this offseason. Sal Pal, tomorrow in the nation's capital. He's in the nation's capital now, getting you ready for Super Wild Card Weekend right here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Sal, we'll see you on the t- boob tube. All right, and we'll talk next Friday, Mike. All right, that's Sal Powell Antonio here on the Sports Bash. He, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. There you
2: go. He uh, gave you a couple thoughts on the games this weekend, but what about that? I am uh, lost for words a little bit. The last two statements from Sal Powell really stood out to me,
0: Gil. Well, you know, typically we do a lot of Eagles conversation with Sal, but we wanted to kind of look at the wild card weekend, and at the end I said, a couple Eagles thoughts. I would be beyond shocked if Press Taylor is not the offensive coordinator next year, he said.
2: I would be so underwhelmed. That would essentially be running it back offensively. You'd be running it back. It's not enough change for me. I'm sorry. I, I just I would be really disappointed if the Eagles went down that road. How about you? Um
0: I unless they got brought in a, an experienced guy like Caldwell or down that road, I don't know that anybody's gonna push my pile.
2: But why can't they do that though?
0: Because they want to call plays.
2: Fair. I just would not be excited about change. I don't think you'd really be changing much. I think you'd just literally be running it back again. Right. Yeah,
0: I I hear you. But I don't know that there's a higher other than if they say, hey, Jim Caldwell's here, an experienced guy. You'd be, okay, that. They bring in some other guy that's on the Press Taylor level. You just don't know his name as well because he's in another organization, but he's essentially Press Taylor coming from a different zip code. You know, that's a good point. All right, when we come back, inside the Sixers, what's next with this COVID situation? Paul Hudrick will tell us coming up, or maybe he won't. <laughs> we'll find out next. This is Kevin Harlan from Westwood One. Join us for the NFL Super Wild Card Saturday triple header. First, Philip Rivers and the Colts visit Josh Allen and the Bills. Then Russell Wilson and the Seahawks host Aaron Donald and the Rams. Finally, Chase Young leads Washington's defense against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If it's the NFL playoffs, it's right here. It's
2: Wild Card Weekend on 97.3 ESPN.
0: Coverage begins at 12 30.
3: Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from Upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play RB at 1 in the morning, that's me saying, hey.
0: All right, inside the Sixers, Paul Hudrick joins us as the Sixers news comes down just about an hour or so ago that um, the Sixers are going to be without a couple of players. And who are those players? Not really sure. We know it's going to be Seth Curry minimally, but who else, what else does it mean? Let's bring Paul Hudrick in from 97.3 esbncom This podcast is coming in for a landing. Make sure you check that out. The Sixers... Paul are expected to have multiple players miss time due to contact tracing. So do we know how much time? Do we know those players might be? Let's bring him in and uh, try to get a little bit more insight on this because uh, obviously what a wild scene this turns out to be last night. Curry is listed as out because of an ankle, then he leaves in the first quarter because he's told that he has COVID and now the thing is kind of spiraled to this point where they're going to miss guys. Do we know who and do we know for how long? We don't know any
3: of that. Uh, <laughs> we really don't know a whole lot. Uh, it's 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 such an odd situation because the way that the league protocols work, we know that you know they were tested before they went to Brooklyn, and the test was negative for Seth. Then they get to the arena. He takes the test, and he doesn't find out until after the first quarter uh, that he has a positive test. So uh, for for me, the I, I, like. I'm not a doctor. I, I clearly, I'm not that smart and I don't really know everything. I don't know the in and out of how all this works, but if, if we're doing contact tracing, he traveled with the team to Brooklyn. He was obviously with them at the arena. And I've been in that side, that visitor's locker room. It is not big. Uh, it is a small visitor's locker room. So uh, I have to imagine he was in contact and, and around a lot of people likely with, you know, at, at times without a mask on. So, and not just players, um, you know, not just teammates, coaches, uh, you know, athletic training staff, um, you know, equipment staff. I mean, he had to be around all of these people. So I don't know, you know, when 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 Woj comes out with a report that they're going to be missing several players, I mean, how many? And, and who are they? I, I don't know the answer. It's just – it's troubling. And the Sixers already have two guys out with injury with Mike Scott and Ferdinand Korkmaz being out. And so – do they play the game tomorrow against Denver? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to have enough players, you know, and then also Joel Embiid, you know, it, it comes out that he was sitting next to Seth Curry and he is personally quarantining because, you know, he has a three month old son and he doesn't want to, you know, you, you can't really blame him for not wanting to, to, to possibly bring that home to, to his family. So right. it's, it's just such a complicated mess right now. And I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know who, and like, I, to me, it, it would seem, uh, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm just this is just me looking at the health protocols and what we've seen in the leak. It would seem to make the most sense that the Sixers might have to postpone a couple of games. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but to me that would seem like what should happen. But but I don't know.
0: Right. That that was going to be my follow up. Is the is the most you know the highest the strongest possibility is. They don't play tomorrow, and possibly you know they play Monday next week, Tuesday next week, and Thursday. I mean, there's a good possibility that tomorrow they don't play, and then possibly have to cancel a couple of other games if if they're being as stringent as it sounds like they should be. I mean, you got to go all the way down to like Doc Rivers; he's in the room.
3: No, one hundred percent. It's again, it's all of them. It's not. It's not just players. It's it's all the it's it's all his staff, and let's and like. You know, to put it in perspective, I know some people, and like, I get it, you know, they're they're athletes, they're in top physical form, so, you know, if they get the virus, you know, and I don't want to, minim- that's not me minimizing it by any stretch, but then also you have coaches who aren't the youngest guys. Hey, we don't know what, you know, we don't know what all these guys' medical histories are or, or what they have or any kind of pre-existing conditions or anything of that nature, so that's what's kind of, you know, taking the basketball part of it out for a second. That's, you know, the the... Human side of it, the health side of it, it's it's scary a little bit. So, you know, we don't know the full extent of what's going on. Obviously, they're, they're you know they're getting tested today, and we also don't know just because a guy is as we just saw with Seth Curry, just because a guy is negative today doesn't mean he's going to be negative when he takes another test today or tomorrow. So, it's to me it just seems like a scenario where you know if the league is going to follow their health and safety protocols the way that they you know the way that they, they say they are. It, to me, it would seem like the Sixers shouldn't play a game for at least, you know, at least like a week, if not more, depending on what happens. So I just think there's so much more still in the air. And, you know, it, I, it, it's just something I don't think you want to mess around with, especially when you consider, uh, you know, again, it's not just the players we're talking about. It's staff and it's other people that could be possibly infected or, or exposed.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. You think about contact tracing. Everyone on the entire team and the coaching staff should all be involved in this because I don't know how it can't be that way. But when you look at the outcome of yesterday, how much do you think this impacted that? Because, you know, as you mentioned, Embiid sitting next to Kerry, well, you you figure out, you find out in the middle of the game that this happened, I'm sure mentally you're now just racing. Your mind is going in all different directions and you still need to focus on a basketball game. So I just wonder how much that related.
3: I think it's a fair point to bring up, Rhodes. I really do, because, you know, Joel Embiid has made it no secret. I mean, he showed up, you know, last year before the bubble in a hazmat suit to the airport. Like, he was, he has taken this thing seriously more than probably any player that I know of. Um, He's been really conscious about it. He's really conscious about his health in that regard. And he was really worried about, you know, what the league was going to do and and what was going on around him. And, you know, and you find out, obviously, that his girlfriend was pregnant and now he has a son. and that was a big part of the reason why he was you know, so hypersensitive to the subject, and it's, he's still there. And so for him, a guy like that, and that's not, listen, we're not making an excuse, but we have to realize, again, the human element of this. And when, yeah, when you see Seth Curry get removed from the bench, knowing it's because he has a positive COVID test, yeah, these guys are human beings. It's mental. Like They see one of their teammates has it, and then they have to go out and play a basketball game. And then someone I, I just talked with someone, and it's it's a really good point. In a weird way, how lucky are they that Seth Carey had an ankle injury and didn't play? There is a possibility that if he was healthy, he would have played the entire first quarter of that game not knowing he had a positive test. And how messy would that have been? Because then Brooklyn has to, you know, they're in a similar boat. They just traveled to Memphis. They wouldn't have been able to travel to Memphis if this happened. So it's just, man, it's just, I think, sometimes we got to take like a step back from the sports element of it and just look at it from a human perspective. And yeah, I, it, it, it's, you know, you don't want to make an excuse, but these guys are human beings and, and something like that happens. Of course I have to have a mental toll on you in some way.
0: So uh, Paul Hudrick's with us inside the Sixers. What do we take from last night then? I know that no Curry and I, and, and I had tweeted out, you know, Hey, they got a pretty good, they got a taste of what the team went through last year. No spacing, no shooting, Look clunky. Um, so there's a lot of frustration with what we saw, and it shows you how important having that spacing and Curry, what he means to this team.
3: Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's a big part of it. And then the other part of it is, you know, the second night of back to back, and, you know, you watch the end of that Wizards game. They blow a 21 point lead, and Joel and Ben Simmons had to do some heavy lifting to get that team back and to, and to win that basketball game. So, you know, what, what, what does it look like if they don't blow that lead and you can rest Joel Embiid and beat a Ben Simmons and then they're much fresher coming into Brooklyn? Again, these aren't excuses. This is just the reality of what you see around the NBA. I mean, right now, so the Sixers have two losses, both of them in second games of back-to-back and both of them down a, down a starter. So if we look back at the end of the season and all the Sixers' losses or most of them are in those kind of circumstances, I think you can live with that. Um, so from a basketball perspective, yeah, I, I it's I don't want to minimize the loss. It's a bad loss. Going into Brooklyn, no Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant. They need to win that basketball game. I, I agree with people who have said that it is not a, it's not a, a, a good. It is a bad loss. It's not something you want to make excuses for. But these things will happen throughout the course of an NBA season. Um, it, I will be concerned if it's a pattern this year. I know some people are, are pointing back to last year and, you know, this is what they did. But look, this also, they also went into Orlando, which actually has been a house of horrors for them. They went into Orlando and beat up on the Orlando Magic, blew them out, wire to wire. Uh, then they came home and took care of business against a bad Charlotte team, beat them twice, wire to wire, back to back. So uh, there are signs that that they are, you know, that, they, that, that they're not playing down to opponents, that they are taking care of business. This is a bad loss, but I think everyone seems to kind of keep it in perspective Um, They weren't going to go seventy-one and one. Uh, You're going to lose games that you should win, and you see it around the league so far with with how weird the season has been. The short off season with all the protocols and everything. You see, you know, right now the Knicks are five and three. I mean, how many people predicted that? I mean, it's just it's a weird way to start the season. So I would say it's a bad loss, but don't overreact. It's it's a very long season, and the tough tests really come up ahead.
2: What are your thoughts on the defense, though? And and I understand that, look, it's going to happen. You're not going to have it every single night. But you are seeing common trends, and this team was supposed to be built for their defensive ability to kind of start their offense. And they allowed 136 to Washington and 122 to Karis LeVert and Joe Harris being the top dogs. I just feel, look, open shots, you're not going to hit them every night, but defense should travel.
3: Agreed. Uh, uh, less concerned, uh, as weird as it sounds, I'm less concerned about the Wizards game because, um, I, I, listen, I don't care what you do to a guy. Sixty. Bradley Beal was also just ridiculous that night. He was on fire. Uh, I'm not like maybe, maybe he shouldn't have gone for sixty, but he was he was having a big night. It was just one of those nights. Guys have those. Um, and then also, was just Washington as a team, they can score. Uh, they can't defend, but they can score. And I think a lot of what happened with them blowing that lead is because the lead was so big and they were shooting so well, I think they sat, and Doc Rivers said this to us last night, they sat back on it, and that's what allowed Washington to kind of creep back a game. What's bad about last night is you were never ahead, um, and you still allowed Karras Levert and and Joe Harris to kind of go off. And yeah, uh, I I think a lot of guys, what they pointed to, what Doc Rivers and Danny Green both pointed to last night was just focus. uh, A lack of focus on kind of those little details that have made them so good um, through the first few games of the season. So uh, it's. It, I don't want to say, like I said, the, I'm less bothered by the Washington effort as I am the the Nets effort last night, like you already said, without their two best scorers, two of the elite scorers in the league, and to allow Karras LeVert, who is a good scorer, who is a good player, but to allow him and Joe Harris to just kind of go off, yeah, it, it's bad. Um, again, I, I will worry if it's a trend, if it continues, if we see that kind of play against some of the better teams and better offenses in the league, yeah, uh, then I'll – I'll be concerned if it's a growing thing and it continues to happen.
0: All right, Paul Hudrick, we'll leave you with this. You know, a lot of people are kind of, uh, you know, you see Ben when there's some guys down and he did not have a great game last night. And, you know, the biggest problem I always have with Ben is the lack of consistency. One game, you know, he he's a guy that brings it, and another game he doesn't. And, you know, it, it's just – should we come to terms with this is who Ben is? He's a frustratingly talented guy who is going to leave you frustrated – you know, 15 to 20 nights a year?
3: Uh, listen, forever, no. Like, for his entire career, should you have a live? No, I would say no. But right now, as a 24-year-old, um, you know, new to this offense and everything and, and still trying to figure out the best way to work with Coach Joel Embiid and still trying to figure out where he fits and when he should shoot and when he shouldn't, yeah, it's, it's going to be frustrating. And I think anyone who was expecting him to come in and start taking – you know, five threes a night, that that never seemed like a reality. It never seemed like a thing that was going to happen. But here's the thing, too. If you want Ben Simmons to shoot, and I get it, I get why you want Ben Simmons to shoot, you're going to have to live with that shot that you saw last night where he took that three and completely missed. That's going to happen. Um, if you want Ben Simmons to shoot and you want him to get better at it, you're going to have to live with messy results. You're going to have to live with ugly results. Same with him driving to the basket. So I, I saw, you know, the last couple games there were moments where, he drove to the basket and it just, he came up empty. Either he missed it or maybe he thought he was fouled and he didn't get it, but whatever. You're, if, if you want him to grow, if you want him to start scoring and get to the basket and shoot more, you have to live with the growing pains. Um, so that's that's kind of the double-edged sword you're kind of dealing with as, as a Sixers fan because, too, listen, you are trying to win basketball games, too. So as much as you want Ben Simmons to grow and as much as growing will help you win games, um, sometimes him not doing that and him just playing more of that facilitator role and just playing strong defense, that's what they need him to do to win. So it's a, it's kind of a tightrope to walk. And, yeah, it, it's going to be frustrating. And I, and that's it's part of the frustration you're going to have to live with with Ben Simmons while he continues to grow. Um, if this is the same conversation we're having like two, three years from now, then I'm a little more worried. But right now I think, yeah, this is the player you're going to have to live with for the rest of this season at the minimum.
0: All right, uh, Paul Hudrick, of course, Sixers and the Nuggets have a 3 o'clock little matinee in Philly. We'll see who's available, who's not. How long? We'll try to get more of those answers, but all we know is Seth Curry has tested positive, and there's some contact tracing, and I would be pretty surprised if you see Joel and Bead play. We'll see who else. Uh, follow at Paul Hudrick on Twitter. For more on the Sixers, go to 97.3ESPN.com, and he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline for today's edition of Inside the Sixers. Paul, thanks, man. You got him, Mike. Anytime. Yeah, man. He'll be back on Monday for Inside the Sixers right here on 97.3 ESPN. There you go, man. Uh, kind of a crazy scenario with what happened last night. And the whole Curry thing. He's in this. But he made a good point. What if he didn't have the ankle injury and he's out there playing? Good point. It
2: is. No doubt about it. I can't wait for this action on Saturday. Though. A lot of it. Yeah, it's going to be a, a lot really of good time. hoops,
0: too. For sure, oh, dude. You know college basketball last night? I hit that. Uh, I had a ten gamer.
2: Yeah, the Bryant team you needed to win, right?
0: They're the one that screwed me.
2: Oh, they're the other one that screwed. You. I hit
0: ten out of eleven.
2: You got to be kidding me. Yeah. What is it like? What, what What did you put on it? Something little, and then it was it was obnoxious. Obviously, it was eleven team parlay. Yeah, you almost could have bought the whole coffee shop. Not yeah. even just a cup. Sixty five thousand. That's insane. Sixty five thousand.
0: I'm not too happy with the Bryant Bulldogs. Unfortunate. Maybe next time. Actually, well, this way I can get back. Bryant lost, and that cost me the whole parlay. Jacksonville State pushed, so it was only a ten-team parlay
2: instead of eleven. Okay. Well, guess what? You have an opportunity to make that all back. DraftKings is giving you the chance to double your money. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored on Saturday's football games. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 973 when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's football games. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey. Only gambling problem call one 800
0: Uh Speaking of the lines, we'll come back and look at them with Chad Millman from the Action Network and get his thoughts on the weekend plays next. Offseason. By no means are we a finished product. What offseason? It's football at 4. Every day at 4 p.m. on on the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. ESPN. All right, Super Wild Card Weekend right here on 97.3 ESPN. Yes, you can listen to all six games. If you're in your car and you're making like a long drive all throughout the state of New Jersey, maybe through Delaware, You can just keep us on starting at 1230 tomorrow all the way through about midnight on Sunday night. And you'll hear all six games right here on 97.3 ESPN. Let's get Chad Millman's take on the games on the action from the Action Network. Chad Millman, their chief content officer, and he joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Smash it, smash it, smash it. how are you?
4: I'm good, brother. Happy New Year.
0: Same to you. It's good to uh, talk to you again. I missed you a couple of times while I was off, but feels like old times here. We got playoff football, though, and uh, man, some very intriguing lines to start this thing off, man. I look at this uh, Saturday slate. I got Buffalo and the Colts, and right off the bat, I'm like, man, Buffalo's given a touchdown. They, they're really putting a lot of faith in the Bills in this, uh, you know, I know they made the playoffs last year, but you're a touchdown favorite over a good Colts defense.
4: Yeah, I think what you're getting here really is a little bit of public perception. Um, The Bills just being so dominant the past, say, five, six weeks of the season. And while you say the Colts have a good defense, they do statistically have a good defense. But they're not great in the sort of stats that betters like to look at, number one. Number two, Phillip Rivers hasn't been healthy. And we've seen sort of the challenges that he has he's already pretty immobile you give philip rivers an injured toe and that affects everything that he does as a passer um and then you put a guy who's a little bit older and i don't say this to be glib he's older and you put him in cold weather and that just makes it more challenging so i think there's a lot of factors here and it, it, part of it is the colts not being as good as the numbers represent and the bills being uh quite outstanding the last few
0: weeks. Yeah, that one's uh, an interesting one. It's very contrast of styles. You got a good offense against a really good defense. The Colts offense struggles. The Bills defense struggles. Uh, Total on that one, 51, 51 and a half could be an interesting play there as well. So that's your early game. You can hear it here on 97.3 ESPN. Got that middle game started at four and a half, dropped down to three Rams Seahawks. I know the Rams had some COVID issues. Um, I think Cup might play Goff has the thumb problem. So uh, how do you read in that point-and-a-half line drop?
4: I don't get it, man. I do not get it. I know that all the wise guys love the Rams. And I know that they all look at the way these guys play, these two teams, and they're always very close. They're always within a field goal. And I don't know if they're just thinking, like, precedent plays or what. Um, I'm kicking myself because I think I took the Seahawks at three and a half, and clearly I could have gotten them at three. Um, Like the Seahawks, the last nine weeks of the year, have 36 sacks, more sacks than anybody in the NFL. Uh, The Seahawks are a lot different than the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who the Rams played last week, uh, who their backup quarterback played last week. Jared Goff, if he does play, does not stand up well the pressure, and the Seahawks have also figured out they're a really good running team, and when they got all the running backs back healthy, um, they started to really play well. And also, on the flip side, the Rams' defense is really good, um, but I don't know that they're going to be able to move the ball very effectively. So give me the Seahawks, and also, by the way, I like the under.
2: How about Tom Brady going on the road to Washington, who snuck in in the bad division? Uh, The spread is around eight, seven and a half in some places. And let's also factor in some bulletin board material from Chase Young.
4: Yeah, you know, let's factor in that Alex Smith is questionable. That, to me, is the only thing that matters when we're talking about the side. I love Alex Smith. We've talked about this on the show. Uh, I, I think of him as Alex Smith, professional football quarterback he's just good like everywhere he's been he's been good and made the team around him better and we were seeing that in washington a couple years ago before he was injured so if if i think he is playing i'm going to be on washington at plus eight and a half i also in this game another one the under is 44 and a half right now i like the under uh if he's not playing i don't know how washington scores um they're not very effective offensively. But also, like Chase Young, you mentioned the bulletin board material. Tom Brady's two and two with seven, t- seven touchdowns and five interceptions against top 10 pass rushing defenses. That's what the Washington football team is. He's 0 and 4 against top 10 defenses overall. That's what the Washington mm. football team is. So um, there's a
0: lot of reasons I like Washington and I like the under. Yeah, and uh, Tom Brady first road wild card game here, and it's a uh, he's a touchdown favorite on a road on the road here. Uh, this feels like one of those games where everyone laughed at the NFC East all year, and at seven and nine, Washington's another one of these seven and nine playoff teams. It's like, yeah, you're not laughing now. You know, sacks galore, interception return for a touchdown. I kind of feel you on that one, Ravens Titans. Yeah. Um, this game last year, you know, this up to 55, uh, is the total three and a half. It really hasn't moved much there. I mean, I don't know. Same, same scenario as last year. Just too much running from the Titans.
4: Yeah. I liked, I like the Titans here. I like the underdog. I like the underdog at home. You've got Derek Henry. You've got a way to control the ball. You've got Ryan Tannehill who, you know, in two years, he's just not a fluke. Like, he knows how to play well in that offense, and he knows how to pick his spots. Like, he's very efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over. But he's not efficient like, oh, hey, it's Trent Dilfer game management efficient, to throw an ancient reference out there. It's like Ryan Tannehill, who knows that his bread is buttered with Derrick Henry, and Arthur Smith, who knows that Derrick Henry is a once-in-a-generation running back. But Ryan Tannehill can thread the needle when he has to and has a really good arm. So um, this Titans team in the playoffs, to me, feels dangerous uh lamar jackson despite being as talented as he is hasn't shown up in big games and so i'm not about to back him on the road as a favorite when i haven't seen out of him uh what i think you need to do to extend to the next level in the playoffs
2: the saints are at home favored by 10 against the bears a lot of discussion about mitch trubisky and the offense playing better as late but will it be enough
4: no they're terrible they're a terrible team uh i say this as a Chicago fan who last night at dinner, my kid asked me, uh, what would you trade for Deshaun Watson? I said I would trade Khalil Mack and our next three first-round picks. <laughs> you cannot win without without a uh, – I don't know if you guys know, you know, Danny Parkins, who's a radio guy in Chicago, he had a tweet today, like, what would you trade for Deshaun Watson? He said the next eight number one picks, and then he listed the eight number one picks the Bears had had, and I would have traded all of them for Deshaun Watson. Makes sense. Um, Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Ten points is a lot. Uh, it's just a lot. And it's too much if I'm looking at a Bears team that is down, say, seventeen points with three minutes left, and they know that the Saints know the game is out of hand. And Ms. Trubisky finds a way to hit Darnell Mooney for a long pass that gets him into scoring position and they score a touchdown. So it's a little bit too rich for me in terms of a betting the Saints. So at, at ten points I do have to back the Bears.
0: Chad Millman Action Network. These are the lines for the NFL Super Six, Super Sunday, Super Wildcard Weekend, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, by the way, you know what's gonna happen. You should feel good. Trubisky's gonna stink. They're gonna put Foles in, and he's gonna win you a Super Bowl.
4: It's Nick Foles playoff time. And if that happens, by the way, I am totally fine with it. Those things are so rare. They're so precious. They're so special. You guys know this in South Jersey. Look, I do the I do the the favorites podcast. With a guy named Simon Hunter, who's from South Jersey, right, and he is a huge Eagles fan. And we were talking about this on the podcast the other day, like the opportunity to get a Super Bowl. uh, This is, you know, basically you'll hear that the only thing I talk about my kid with is the Bears. He uh, he asked me the other day if we had to keep Mitch Trubisky and win a Super Bowl this year or get rid of him, uh, I would say keep him because they're so rare, you you never get them. Um, So if this is what happens, this is what happens.
0: All right, last game on the card. It is uh, Browns-Steelers open 3.5, jumped to 6 when I guess the COVID stuff. 47 is the over-under. Steelers have been a weird play. Browns, I don't know, do I trust them after an 18-year hiatus to not have their coach? Uh, Is 6 a nice number?
4: Yeah, I would bet it up to 7. I'm surprised it actually hasn't moved there. 77% of the bets, 62% of the money. Coming in on the Steelers, um, obviously, when it opened, it, it moved. They opened at 3.5, moved fast to 5.5 once uh, the COVID news was announced. So I, I'd still be back in the Steelers here. The Browns, look, 11 wins, it's a big year for them, and it's amazing they made the playoffs and, and kudos. But they also had a negative point differential. Um, so they scored fewer points than um, their opponents this year. They did that with 11 wins last week against this team, a Mason Rudolph team. They were outgained by the Steelers offensively and only won by two points. So um, I don't have a lot of hope right now for the Browns. All
0: right. Chad Millman, Action Network. You can uh, check out all the lines for everything. College basketball, uh, the national championship game, NBA, and, of course, all the NFL. Your favorite play of the
4: six games this weekend is? Let's do Washington football, Tampa Bay Buccaneers under. 44.5. Forty-four
0: and a half. Washington football under okay I like that I I see like 22 6 22 nine something like in that range there although I wouldn't be surprised if Washington won that game there you go he likes wow, you
4: th- I was gonna say you think Washington's gonna beat Tampa by 13
0: points no 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 I I, I like Tampa I'm, like two, I'm kidding yeah I'm okay kidding. but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if 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 Washington actually won that game. So there you go. That's uh, his favorite player of the weekend. Check out all the lines, the the uh, action over at actionnetwork.com. And of course, uh, you can listen to all the games right here on 97.3 ESPN. So smash them, Washington. Do it under. Chad, take care. Man.
4: Great talking to you,
0: fellas. Uh, he like all
2: guys appeared via the boardwalk on the hotline. I, I kind of do like Washington. I understand where you're coming from. I mean, we talked about this before. It seems like they're just going to hang around. They'll be maybe like seven points away the whole game and maybe you just wonder can that defense get that one big turnover
0: the, the line just went up it was seven and a half at the beginning of that conversation it's up to eight on DraftKings. it's eight at points bet, it's seven and a half on bet
2: mgm it's seven and a half on vandal he made a big point though about alex smith would you feel the same way if alex smith is not in the game or you just think look I it's think just one of defense. those games anyway right Yes. Yeah. You you have that vibe where it seems like it doesn't matter who's playing they they're gonna hang in there.
0: You heard what Sal said, the night game in Washington gonna be an empty place, cold. He said Buccaneers last time had trouble. I remember that game that he was talking about where it was just like a night I think it was like a Sunday nighter or a Monday nighter and they just looked terrible. They just couldn't get the energy up. Big eight o'clock game Sunday uh, Saturday night empty building. Against a team that's seven and nine. It's so NFC East for them to win the game, isn't it? I guess you're right. Uh, Sal Pal said he'd be beyond shocked if Press Taylor wasn't the OC. What's Adam Kaplan think? We got football at four coming up next here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. And by the way, it doesn't seem that that would be a popular decision by the Twitter followers.